From Bossier City, Louisiana, this is the Grouch and the Brainstorm. Welcome back to all our loyal listeners and maybe even a couple of new ones we hope to make loyal. Um, my mic, and I am an alcoholic, and you are listening to The Grouch and the Brainstorm, a podcast about recovery. And tonight with me, I have Ben from the Koala Club. Say hi, Ben. What's up? I have Matt. Hey. My usual Matt. I have Travis. Howdy. I have Jen. Hey, guys. And sitting out tonight will be Jill. She's a little under the weather, so wish her well. Um, hope everybody out there is doing great. Glad to have you back. Um, hopefully, this is going to be an exciting episode. These episodes are unscripted. There's absolutely nothing that we talk about in advance except for the topic. And we kind of try to roll with it and make it as raw, uncut as we possibly can. So uh, don't forget about the call in line and the email. If you got suggestions, please reach out to us. We'll be glad to discuss any topic that you uh, deliver to us as long as we don't have a pre-planned topic. And I'll give that information at the end of the podcast. So tonight we will be talking about sobriety and recovery and a lot of times we hear in a meeting i've been sober for x amount of time and i've been this that and the other you know i have five years sober i have five years clean or whatever it is and then sometimes we hear some people say you know i've been in recovery for five or six years and you know and i think maybe me anyway in the back of my mind i kind of relate the two as being one and a lot of people may i don't know how that works for everybody else i know how it is for me but i was sitting in a meeting about i don't know five or six years ago down in new orleans and there, there was a lady there and she just made a comment during a meeting that said you know i i found out the hard way that there's a difference between sobriety and recovery and i started thinking there really is a difference between sobriety and recovery sobriety sucked i really didn't like being sober you know, being in recovery is pretty cool. I think it's, you know, how a normal person might live if, if they didn't have a drinking or an addiction. And um, <clears throat> I got to listening more and more in meetings and realizing what the difference, you know, for me, you know, because I've been sober many times. I've had a lot of sobriety dates, but they usually didn't last over, you know, 12, 24 hours. And some of them lasted up to 90 days. And while I was in that that 90-day period, and it talks about in our big book, you know, the restlessness, the irritable, the discontented, you know. Now, does that mean if I get that way during recovery that I'm not in recovery? Hmm, maybe I'm not in recovery mode. Maybe I need to reset, you know. I don't know. But that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And, um, Ben, what do you think about the difference between sobriety and recovery? Uh, well, when I think about it, it's like the first five months of my getting sober i went to one or two meetings and i went back to my house and i sat in my pool of sadness depression all the shit that i didn't really want to face or talk to about it about any of it to anybody and then uh some people finally had enough of my attitude and i lost my job and lost my house uh and i didn't know where i was going to go next wasn't quite sure i can't remember who called first but wound up talking to matt on the phone and seeing if he had a job that I could possibly do. But mainly, I think we talked about getting back into the rooms of AA and how I'll describe it. So being sober, you can be, you cannot be using, you can, not, you can be dry, but you can still be the same old asshole that you were before. You can just be doing the same dumb shit uh, and not doing anything about it. But being in recovery, 
would be more like working the steps and actually doing something, having a program, having people and stuff to rely on when you get into those situations where you're not like 100% walking the line of being a great AA. You're not a picture-perfect example, but you've got a program. You've got shit to fall back on to. So that's how I see it. Did you want to drink during those periods? Um, No, because, well... I mean, I had the ideas, but when it came up, it was just like, no, I'm going to beat this shit for, like, I mean, I've had dry spells before, but this is the first time that I've actually didn't want to go back out. When when I had dry spells before, it's just like I was trying to make a point, trying to prove a point to people that I can just stop this shit whenever I wanted to. But at this time, it was like, I'm not going to drink ever again because the consequences I keep facing are never going to end, and if they do or if if I do drink again, they're just going to get worse. I maybe just wind up dead somewhere or kill somebody. Um, but when when I when the idea of drinking occurred before I'd started practicing the program again, it's just I was trying to brute force it, rely on my willpower and everything. And like Joe relates to when he talks about willpower, it's like trying to hold back diarrhea. It's yeah. going to give way sometimes. So yeah. So I, I can see that. And then I, for me anyway, you know, having all, all the problems of life piling up and not being able to drink and not being able to drink because I don't want to drink because of the problems of life. You see where I'm, you're kind of getting into the Yeah, and there's no other available option to deal with them, you know. Right. Like, oh, just, I just quit the one option I had. Yeah. So, <laughs> so then I thought this one out, you know. <laughs> for me, my alcoholism, the ism part. Um, just manifested in other ways. So I was still looking externally to try to change the way that I felt. And um, I, for sobriety, the sobriety, I'm doing air quotes here. um, The big book says, have have you a sufficient solution? And I did not have a sufficient solution. I was still running the show. Um, I didn't have a program of action. And I was white knuckling life and um this is a a really really important topic to me because i think oftentimes people confuse okay i'm going to aa i'm not drinking so obviously i'm i'm doing the aa program and the program of action is actually written in that 164 pages um and it hasn't changed since it was written um, and that is the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, and you get to the solution via the 12 steps. When I'm not doing that, I'm not in recovery, I'm not drinking, and I, I totally relate to what Ben said. I was still the same asshole, I just wasn't drinking. So I didn't change any part of my reality or my reception, uh, perception of the way I looked at the world and my interaction with other humans in the world, I was still selfish and self-centered. That we think is the root of our problems. Um, And so I, in nine months of AA, not drinking, going to meetings every day, but not doing anything about the solution, pretty much bottomed out. I hit rock bottom in AA because I wasn't doing, I was drier than the Sahara Desert. Somebody could have lit a match in Texas and it would have blown up over so here. I'm going to ask both of y'all this question. I'm sorry, I'm interrupting. Mm-hmm. Were you happy? And I kind of know the answer to that. But I mean, that five months for you, Ben, and the nine for you, 
I'm, I'm sure when you first came in, you were like, okay, I see this is happening. But then it starts to. There there were pink cloud moments, right? I'm not drinking. So, and and and, and you do hear some amazing things yeah, in the yeah. room, some inspiring things. and um, But then you start to look around, or at least I started to look around. And I'm like, wait a minute, all these people are happy. Their life seems so put together. What the hell am I not doing? Oh, but. You know, again, we we say it often. It takes what it takes. Mm. And so that was me bottoming out almost a year into the program. Um, that was what took it. And you hadn't what it took for, me. for anything. Well, I was right. I was what we call half measuring or half assing them. Gotcha. Um, you know, checking boxes. I didn't have a clue what really I was doing and, you know, um, not like I do now, but that bottoming out was what it took to get me to the point of surrender where it was like, okay, I'm done with myself. I had to get to the end of myself and just not drinking didn't get me to the end of myself for a minute. But so I know today that I truly have the ism. Even if I'm not drinking, I have to have some like today. Even yeah. like today, um, I have to have something outside of myself to keep me from myself or relieving me from the bondage of self, which I'm, I'm never going to be fully relieved of. But. Yeah, five years in, I still think alcoholically on a regular basis. Oh, yeah. Right. yeah you freaking like, alcoholic. What are you doing? You know, but Travis, every, Travis, probably in 27 years sober and it's still alcoholic. Oh, my God. Thinking. But, <laughs> Thanks, Travis. <laughs> that makes me feel better. <laughs> what I lo- but what I love about recovery and being around other alcoholics is, is, you know, for so long, I used to think that I was like this, like, just strange individual like nobody else thought like I did. Yeah. Then now it's funny because like, you know, Matt and I will be like messaging back and forth all day <laughs> long. Just crazy, you know, little memes and jokes. And, you know, um, it's cool because I've had conversations with Mike about spoons. And like... Where not to put them. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for I thought you were going to bring up me and Mike spooning that one time. But oh, I'm yeah, not, I'm, yeah, yeah, no. we That's had a different conversation. Warm. <laughs> it was cold outside. I think it was like missing utensils. Like my kids like took a fork off and it like really threw me for a loop for like they lost one of my good forks. You they know, just I just moved into my apartment. You have a good fork? Yeah, well, I have like eight of them. I had eight of them. Now I only have like six. I have a <laughs> bunch of Mardi Gras cups. Only my best plastic wear. That's right. And and taco, the taco place, I've got a bunch of those blue right. cups. It's fine, China. You know, real quick, Google actually has a definition for this. I'm, I'm going to read this. For uh, a second. I think I've read it before. It's Never all. read it. So yeah. I'm going to tell you what Google says. Um, what is the difference between sobriety and recovery? Sobriety is simply the state of living without substance. However, recovery involves healing mentally, physically, and emotionally Hmm. from not only your substance abuse, but also the causes of your substance abuse. Recovery is about hope, healing, and health. I like that. All right. That's really good. good. Answered our question. Podcast over. I wonder (laughs) if we should ask ChatGPT just just to see what the the AI has to say. I can do that. What about you, Travis? What do you think on this? Uh, While he's looking. Well, I have to go against the 
the grain here on this one. Well, Travis had the Travis first off for for the listener's sake. Travis got sober when he was about what eight eight or nine years old. Right. Yeah. Four off beer when he was six after a, yeah. after a long bout of. <laughs> so Travis has been sober for twenty six years. Yeah, he was putting about. beer in his his in his formula. <laughs> his baby formula. Twenty seven years. Travis has twenty seven years in in the program. So, um, you know, obviously, uh, whenever you hear those kind of years, you, you, your, your ears perk up. You want to hear it. So go ahead, Travis. All right. So when Jennifer was talking about that nine months and, and Ben was talking about his five months, I think God gives us a grace period because I have yet to see somebody that walks in the door, grabs hold of this thing day one, and is like, I love being sober. Most yeah. of us, for a period of time— this shit sucks, you yeah. know, and we have to deal with the consequences of the past and the wreckage of the past. And God graces us uh, for more or less, you know, a period of grace where we get to see those breadcrumbs that was Jennifer was talking about, the, the pink cloud moments, the going to meetings and being inspired by somebody else's year. And he, he pulls us along during that period. So we stay dry or not drinking for a period of time until what, for me, we start the process of recovery and that's doing whether you do five things a day or seven things a day, you start that process, working the steps, working with a sponsor, going to meetings, reading the big book, doing some work on the steps, working with helping another alcoholic. When you start doing those things, that's the process of recovery for me. And I, then as I'm sitting here listening to y'all and I'm thinking there's a difference between for me, for being, being sober and sobriety sober to me is being without drink or drug or whatever. Sobriety is the byproduct of doing the recovery process. After a period of time, you know, uh, that, so, that state of being without substance transitions into a period of serenity and peace and well-being. For me, that is true sobriety. Yeah. And I get those things through the process of recovery. Now, I can see others thinking, and, you know, that we all get to have our own way of thinking and definitions of words and whatnot. And at the end of the day is in my book is as long as you're doing what you need to do today to not take that next drink, all those semantics, all those word plays, you know, they will work themselves out in time. Just do what you have to do today, not to take that next yep. drink. That is job number one. That is the most important thing in my life today is to do whatever I, I is today to not take that next drink. And it may look different than yesterday, a year ago, 10 years ago, whatever the case may be, it's whatever it takes to ensure against that next drink, no matter what it is. So another Good. book I read tells me to be sober-minded. Yeah. Um, and so I can tell when I'm thinking alcoholically or I'm sober-minded. And um, I'm never going to be fully recovered from myself. Um but sober for me is just I'm I'm not using. Yeah, you know here's a here's a good example of that just for me that just happened. We were all at a meeting together, <clears throat> and yeah. we had a birthday. A lady had two years, and as as she got up there to start the meeting, she was crying, and it was like she said, it was tears of joy. But if you listen, if you just sat way in the back and you didn't listen to what people were saying, all you could hear was laughter. The whole meeting, everybody laughing. And I went, I never would have pictured that when they told me in rehab, you're going to go to AA meetings. And I went, oh, my God. Like, I'd maybe seen one on a movie, and it was terrible, you know. 
like the Sopranos. That dude killed his sponsor in the Sopranos. I don't know if you ever saw that, but yeah, their program was a little different on that show. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, he threw him out a window. Survival of the fittest. Yes, he didn't like what he told him. Yeah, well, yeah, it was uh, a. Check that out. There's one that I watched, and it was a bunch of I don't even remember what it was called. But it was like literally they would sit in a room and they smoked in this room and mm-hmm. it was like I don't know, um. But they would just bitch about all they wanted to do yeah. was drink. And, and I thought that's what this would be, you know. And I never thought that you you see these people in here and everybody's just pulling for each other. And that just shows you, you know, not that everybody's there, but as a group, we're all moving in that direction. And and you can genuinely tell people care about that person. They're happy for them. And they genuinely like, it was genuine laughter. It's not the little golf clap, you know, oh, that was funny. No, people were just laughing the whole meeting. And I was like, that that's why I'm a part of this, you know. Danielle, shout out to Miss Danielle. Oh, my yeah, gosh, two years I can't believe I missed yeah. that. Yeah, two years. Yeah, you got to make it up to her now. And, you I know, do. for entertainment purposes, I would imagine that if they showed the actual room of AA where everybody in the room was just extremely happy and it's just a regular old meeting and this is what we do every day, it's probably not going to make whatever drama that character yeah. who is in that meeting is going through quite as entertaining, you know. Yep. So I can see where that would affect, you know. I, I, I watched the episode of House the other night, and um, I love that show. Yeah. And I watched it, and um, he was in he was in a rehab, and – um, he was quoting the steps. He was going, you know, step this, step that, and everybody else was looking at him like he had something wrong with him. And of course, the main, the guy who was running the meeting, I guess, at this particular rehab, just complete, all smiles, you know, just completely smiling the whole time. Even when there would be a smart ass remark or something, he would just, hey, keep smiling, <laughs> you know. It's, and you know, and and I get it. We do have a lot of lividity, but there's not a lot of fake lividity in the rooms of Alcoholics yeah. Anonymous. It's it's real. And there are moments that are uh, moments that are happy, and moments that are sad, and moments where everybody shuts up for some someone share. You could hear a pin drop. I mean, when the air conditioner goes off or comes on, you know it. Whenever someone is sharing and it's coming from their heart, and you can feel the the pain coming off, you know. Yeah. And when someone's celebrating, like tonight, you know, it gets a little rowdy, it gets a little loud. Yeah, I think I heard uh, one of our members shush once <laughs> during the meeting. Yes. Yeah. Ooh, so wasn't me this time. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't uh, Travis this time. So. But uh, um, I always think of you know twenty eight days with Sh- Sandra yeah, Bullock, yeah. and you know they keep saying like keep coming back they or like, like, like all the wonder. AA one liners and she's like can I get that shit stitched on a pillow and yeah. like <laughs> that's how I felt and then I, then I ended up being the one that puts the the liners on the I, shirts or whatever. You I know? couldn't have went to that rehab, dude. They let them wander around in the woods and hang out. I'd have ran through them woods and been gone, man. <laughs> They're out there exercising. There ain't no way that ours was like state prison. You know, they just shot us if we tried to climb the fence. Armed guards at the gate. Yes. And there goes again back to sobriety versus recovery. You know, or, you know, when you're in there, you're just dry. You know, (laughs) and and to be honest with you, there were several times I got out straight to the liquor store. You know, I got my days in. I got to go get something to drink. My peer support guy used to, people would come in there in rehab. I was in there in the longer term thing but a lot of people would do the 30 days and um so i heard it a lot but people would come in they had been there three days right and they'd go i am a recovering uh whatever and he would just shut them down and he would go 
you're not in recovery. You're sitting in rehab. You're in discovery. That's all you're in in here. When you get out there, and I just love that. I was like, yeah. He's like, don't ever say you're in recovery in here. You'll start recovery when you get out. And I was like, hmm. That's why I love getting to go to CADA. Yeah. Um, When we bring the meetings in there because they – I don't know that it's an AA-based program. But they're whatever they're doing, it works or, you know, but, you know, and when we go in there, we stress the whole sobriety versus recovery mm-hmm. and, you know, tell them to do the five things or for. And that's why we always tie the aftercare stuff in yeah. because that's where your recovery is going to start. You got to get around and like we, we just beat them over the head with it. Please mm-hmm. go get out, go straight to a meeting. They're like, well, I'm going to go visit my mom for a week and then I'm going to, and it's like. No, like leave here, yeah. go to a meeting, yeah. sit there till it starts. I usually say like, do not pass go, do not collect yeah. $200, don't go by the dope man's house, don't go by thrifty, go straight to a meeting, yep. find a meeting. Um, so. Yep. It's, I, uh, I heard that a lot. Every time I got out, they were like, you need to go to a meeting. <laughs> like I just spent like every day going to three. I'm, I'm good. Y'all have a good one, you know. <laughs> but then again, there's no recovery. There's actually no real relief. You know, from from the uh, it's almost like the whole time I was in rehab, I felt like everything that I was in charge of was just piling up on me so that when I could get out, I could go take care of it, you know, until ultimately there was nothing left to take care of. It was all just gone, you know, just kind of hope it blows over while you're in rehab. Kind yeah. of. No, yeah. there was nothing left. I mean, yeah. I think my first trip, my last trip, I'm sorry, back in June of 11, my last trip over to uh, the bed and breakfast I had. When I got home, there were signed divorce papers, you know, from the judge in my mailbox, you know, which kind of put the end to that particular one thing I was worried about. And I figured it would just open up 15 million more. Um, but for some reason, I was just so beat down this particular time. I was just like, it doesn't matter. None of this. I'm dying. You know, I'm, I'm dying. Like, I'm, I'm, if I live with nothing, it's better than dying with everything, you know, and and that's that was the state of mind I had to have, even though I wasn't in recovery. I never actually, I believe at that time, I never actually thought I'd take step nine. I, I was thinking of ways I could get out of taking step nine, even at that point, you know, because they cover the steps and how it works when you're in rehab. So, yeah, I didn't. Uh, yeah, I realized I, I did them reading them on the wall. You know, I've told you all that. And I looked, I was like, step fours, like character defects. I'm like, that's easy, dude. I have nothing. Like, I'm <laughs> literally perfect. All these people have put me in this place. Well, I mean, you did all your steps in, in rehab in I did them in my head read them, on the right? wall. Yeah. I like, during lunch, dude. Who does them that fast? Yeah. And well, then Bob, I explained that to Bobby. Your sponsor must have really thought that was a great deal. He took he that in you. stride. You know, <laughs> I mean, I got out. I was like, dude, I'm going to be the easiest one you ever had, dude. I've already done everything. I'm good. It's you like know? the old saying, if you work them off the wall, you get off the wall results yes and i did uh, I, I did like get, that did get off the wall results uh you know forget that i had to move to an entire different state <laughs> when i got out of rehab you know my life was perfect so um yeah but uh yeah bobby said do you have uh the paperwork on those 12 steps that you did and i went i don't know man did them in my head dude yeah. and everybody so was like is, we're gonna start over that that's great that you brought that well like step nine or whatever up and i was um Watching a podcast last night, and it, the guy that played uh, Jesus in, in The Passion of the Christ, I, he just, they're coming out with this new movie, and somebody was interviewing him, and 
he was kind of giving a little bit of rundown of his life story. And, you know, it got to a point where he had to talk about a sticky situation and he didn't want to bring it up because he'd already forgiven. And the guy like turned around and asked him, he's like, how do you forgive? And I'm like, oh, yeah, normal people out there just don't have like we the program. It's just kind of embedded in there. But, he, you know, he went on to bring up scripture, but then he um, he talked about praying for yeah. somebody. And I'm oh, like, oh, yeah. yeah, we we they tell us to do that. So this is this is a true story. And Ben knows him and he's a handful. But the guy worked for the owner of the company. He had a guy screw him over on about a quarter million dollars worth of contracts. I thought you were um, going to say condoms. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, that's a Same lot. Result. Same result. But, yeah. um, yeah. You could just, never mind. Either way, it's a quarter million bucks, man. No matter how yeah, you look at it. Yeah. So, so he's been irritated. Well, that's how I wound up with the job I have because he fired this guy. It was a big deal. Well, this has been two years ago that this guy did this. And every day he's railing on the same deal, you know. And I finally told him, I was like, man, you know what I would do? I was like, you got to let it go, man. Like, it's over. You know, it's over. You're just you're just hurting yourself. And he doesn't know all this stuff's AA stuff, but it's what Bobby does to me. And then kind of in a gentle way, I'm like, dude, you gotta let it go. Like this is this is eating you up. Mm-hmm. And I said, Look, man, put a rock in your pocket. Pray for that dude. Have you prayed for the guy? And he's looking at me like, No, I would like to murder him, you know, and I'm like, just give it two weeks, pray for him or gripe about it, whatever you want to do, but give it two weeks, throw the rock away, just drop the rock and let it go. Let's move on. And so he 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 kind of in his own mind, I think he sort of, I don't think he actually got the rock, but he he kept telling me, you know what, I got to let that go. He'd tell me, and I'm like, yeah, man. And uh, so now he'll kind of kick back into it every once in a while. I'm like, dude, drop the rock, bro. And he, he immediately, you know, and it's so funny to see people that have no clue about any of the program, but they're doing stuff, you know, and I'm always talking to them about acceptance. And guys we work with, I'm like, you got to accept that they're doing it. And now he's in there telling them, look, we got to practice acceptance, you know. And it's just, I get to laughing. But anyway. I, I had a coworker one time reach out to me about something. I don't remember. It was some situation with another coworker. And I'm like, yeah, don't, I'm not getting in the middle of that, which, you know, that, that's a change in itself because used to, I'd be all up in the middle of it, you know. Um, but I started sprinkling just AA program back to her and you would have thought that she would have thought i was like the dalai lama or some philosophical like oh my gosh that's so i'm like yeah it's it's simple you know but even i and i talk about the rock thing and this is how recovery has gone and bobby's always you know do you have resentment you know we need to talk about it and then i do i have to pray for that person i mean i kind of snide about it and he's like don't be snide you know but but he knows I, I, mean, I mean well, and it works for me. And I ha- it's something I have to do. And even now, he'll say, you know, if there's a situation, he go, do I need to get you a rock, or is it, the, is it that bad? And these last 30 days at work, three weeks or so, have been rough. And I've had moments where it was like, I'm, I'm at my level here. This is, this is my level. But, but this time... I stopped and just prayed for the guy. I didn't I didn't get myself resentful. Was I frustrated? Yes. Did I act like I normally would have? No. And then I discussed it with Bobby Sunday, I think. We ate lunch. And he goes, do you need a rock? And I said, no. You know what? Because I actually, from the get-go, just started praying for the guy and the situation. And nothing to do with me or helping me, but just like 
giving some clarity and some peace to the situation where we could work it out. And we were able to do that within a few days. And it just, to me, talking about recovery and sobriety, I promise you this guy would not have handled that that way. You That's know? what I love about the program. And you, you lather, rinse, repeat. You know, you keep doing doing the program day after day. And in the beginning, it's awkward and unusual and it's new. And after a period of time, all those start, all those things just start kicking in and you start praying for somebody before you have to go to your sponsor and, and say, what do I do about this situation? And, and not, and you know, people are dealing with stuff. And when I pray for them, God sits there and goes, Hey man, you don't like the way this person's acting. Wonder why they're acting that way. Maybe something's going on. You don't know about, maybe they're having a hard time and they don't know how to express it and it it calms me down you know and i go okay i'm not looking at the whole picture maybe i'm not seeing it and not like i said not that i handle it perfect every time but man it puts a lot of that stuff in check you know yeah just um i just got the opportunity to do a lead step study and we just went did step four and well half of it we'll do the other half what's a big step yeah and we did the the resentment and fears part but I call those like the evil Bopsy twins because I don't, is it the chicken or the egg that comes first? But they all usually go hand in hand. I don't know if it's I get a fear about somebody and then I get resentful or I get resentful and then I start fearing what they're going to do to me or how they're going to revenge or, you know, and totally forget my part in it, you know, those things and course when we act to control the situation that just makes it all that much messed up but then i you know i talked about how you know we as alcoholics we we form these unhealthy attachments on people and mm-hmm. and then we get these fears that you know something's not going to go our way and um we start suffocating that person and then that actually is what pushes the other person away and um I've witnessed that in my own life, and I've witnessed that in some of my other friends' lives. Well, you know, today, I was I was telling Ben this earlier, but today, it's been pretty rough three weeks work-wise. And he actually called me today in the middle of the day, and he's like, hey, man, bear with me. I'm, I'm frustrated. He told me some issues that were going on financially with the company. He was trying to get through that part of it. He had had issues, and he just out of the blue. He's like, hang with me. Don't get frustrated. I know you're frustrated. I put a lot on you. He just went through the whole deal. And I was like, you know, but I had to be patient and my ego not get so big that how dare you, you know, that kind of crap, you know, like I'm and, and it, it wasn't fun going through it, but it's better now. It's, it's in a better situation than if I would have handled it the way I would have normally handled it. So. Yeah. Um, Maurice gets on to me all the time because. You know, I'll sit there and worry and fester about things. He's like, just, he's like, I didn't get the opportunity to do, you know, stuff with his career. Like, do it perfectly where I just gave it to God and let him do his thing. He's like, please do that this time. Yep. And, okay, I didn't. Because, you know, I had to come back to (laughs) y'all and be like, yeah, it worked out just the way. And then, like, a few weeks later... Now it's working out in a completely different way that I never thought I would have even a hundred years would have imagined. But, um, you know, that's, that's all God and that's God working in my life. And the main thing for me too is sober 
Well, Jennifer just sober doesn't have God. Jennifer in recovery yeah. has God. Yeah. And that's the 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 key to all of it. The God of my understanding. Because that's the solution. That is the sufficient solution. And until I found that sufficient solution. It's it's just realizing, I think, Travis, like, we're not God. Right. I mean, I have to remind myself over and over, you know, because I was the one who did those character defects. I didn't have any on the wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I think Mike <laughs> says he has, he had three. Two or three. Yeah. yeah. It's a big list. <laughs> he only has, I think he only has three now. No comment. Uh, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but going back to you know, learning how to, to how to pray for somebody, I was going to share this. You know, um, I went to my original sponsor and had a resentment out of somebody that was so big, I can't remember what it is now. Mm-hmm. He says, well, have you prayed for him? I said, no. He says, well, pray for him every day. I said, okay. So I start praying for this person, and some time goes by, and I go back to my sponsor. He's like, well, how's that resentment? I'm, like, I'm still pissed at him. I mean, he's like, you know. He's like, well, are you praying every day? And I'm like, yeah, it's not working. He's like, well, what are you praying for? And I said, well, I'm asking God to remove them off the face of the earth before I do. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. no, no, yeah. <laughs> that's not the way. This that's works. the alcoholic mind prayer. <laughs> and and he goes, you you ask God to bless them with all the blessings you would want for yourself, all the blessings he, you God would want for that person. Well, I said, well, how long do do I have to do it? <laughs> you know, like that's a that's that's a big order. I mean, how long do I have to do this? He says, until you mean it. I was like, that might be a while. He goes, I know. Yeah, just do it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. One time, my second sponsor, sponsor Becky, told me, you know, I was struggling with my ex husband, right? And uh, she's like, why don't you just pray that he get what? God would give him in the beginning um, because that was better than what I was coming up with. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, over time, because of this program, we have developed a relationship where we can co-parent our girls. And um, he's gone through some pretty, he lost both of his parents and I was able to be there for him. Hmm. And we were able to repair our relationship enough where, um, I was able to be there for him in some sort of way. And and you know what that does, though? Like, you're, you're helping, and it's almost like carrying the message in a way, but it's when, we're, when we do this program and then, and then we have ex-husbands and wives and uncles and aunts and moms and dads, all those re- relationships start to repair, if they're repairable, you know, for the most part. And um, you look back and go, oh, man, this wasn't even a – this was like me just trying to help out somebody. I just – didn't get along with or like necessarily. And you look up and go, man, I'm like helping out my ex doing something. And it's kind of, it's kind of weird. It kind of happens fast. And I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a weird program. You know, I love it when we get to that point where we we do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. And I've done a lot of right things for the results of the right things or the response that I'm expecting for doing the right thing. Yeah, but absolutely. When, when we can do the right thing because it's the right thing to do regardless of the results or anything else. No expectation. Exactly, no expectation. None. Yeah. I get it. I'm working with a guy right now, and he's, he's got a his, – his marriage is on the, on the rocks. And I'm like, well, tell me what you're doing. He's like, I'm doing this and this and this. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, but she doesn't do this. I'm like, mm. okay. 
well, you're not doing it because you love her. You're doing it because you're expecting confirmation or an, a, have, you have set expectations of the way she's supposed to respond to you. I said, do it because it's the right thing to do, not because of what you get validation or, or get a response out of her way you're looking for. Do it because that's, that's the way you love somebody. Do it because yeah. it's the right thing to do. That's why I always have to question my motives. Yeah, sure. On everything. Sure. And no matter how someone treats you. You know, I mean, if, if you think about what Travis is saying, let's just say, and, and I don't know who this is and nobody does, right? But let's just say that situation doesn't end well. Do I continue to do the right thing? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm the one that's got to live with me 24-7. You know, and I could have never done that in just in regular old sobriety. I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't do anything in regular yeah. old sobriety except for want to drink, or, you know, but... Um, but in all, in all actuality though, you know, doing the right thing just because it's the right thing, you know, and there's just certain times in life, that's just what we do, you know, and in my profession, you know, there's a lot of times where I, I talk to my, the folks that work with me, you know, and and I have some, some crew under me and I tell them, you know, you got to take your emotion out of it completely. Do what's right. Do what's right. You know, and there are those few occasions where we have to, you know, do we have to make a judgment call. But for the most part, if you just do what's right, right in front of you, you're going to be perfectly okay, you know. And then not knowing all the facts also can hinder you as well. Even in that situation like Travis is talking about, you know, a lot of times, you know, I, I've, I've been married a few times. And um, there was a lot of times where I would be upset but wouldn't know all the facts, you know. And then hoping like, hell, she didn't know all the facts, you know. And... You know, it's just not a good mojo going on in your head. It's just not, you know. And uh, But sometimes you just have to do what's right in front of you. I really like that, Travis. I like that. That, that just, you know, it makes for a peaceful life. Sure. Yeah. You don't have to remember and, and have angles and egos and agendas, you know. It's just like do the best you can and whatever you think's right at the time. So. Yeah, and to piggyback off what Mike said, Miss Jesse Beebe, that's no longer with us, she used to tell us all the time, feelings are not facts. Mm. And we're overly emotional creatures and we're reactionary creatures based off our emotions. And if we could take out the emotions out of the situation and look at the facts, then we make a sober decision. I had a, um, one of the counselors in my rehab, um, if you ever get a chance to read this book, but one of the guys, we had a little, I don't know what you call them, feelings, cares, concerns class during yeah. every day yeah and one of the guys is well i don't want to blah, 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 and he's i don't want to stay here and i'm tired he's going through this stuff so she turns around and pulls this book off of her uh bookcase and it was called don't let the bastards grind you down hmm. have you ever heard of that mm -mm. and one of the chapters was fuck your feelings that was the <laughs> name of the chapter and she made him read the chapter out and basically we don't operate on our feelings we have feelings good or bad they're going to change you do what you're supposed to do and the right thing to do. And who cares what your feelings are, you know? Yeah, because for me, what I think, what I know, and what I feel are all three different things, and they're all competing. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Ben, what about you? Yeah, you're awful quiet over there, man. You're just taking it all in. Dude, I'm a great listener. I just don't talk a lot. Uh, <laughs> now, the one thing I think about, because Matt's talking about her job and everything, is uh, I... I'm a mechanic by trade, and when I got hired on, I, I fully expected just to work on stuff, but it wound up being a lot more responsibilities than I than I thought. Uh, 
and I finally had a had had to come to a conclusion where it's this is more of a man, managerial position. I'm taking care of more responsibilities than I expected to have, and I had to sit down and draft up a letter of reg, resignation for probably the first time in my life, rather than just throwing my hands. You did good on it though. I read it. Yeah, rather than just saying fuck it, and grab my tools and walk the fuck off, and not. I most of the time I don't even tell people when I if I if I if I left a job and didn't get fired. Most of the time I got fired, but <laughs> if I left a job, I would just grab my shit and leave. Irish exit, yep, baby. Make an Irish exit. They don't need to know where where or when I left. I just need to be gone. But uh, yeah, like that whole two week notice, and then you actually really do work at like. I just went through that. Like you, you do actually have to work out the two weeks and well, uh, do it to the best of your ability. Well, he didn't so, quite make yeah, the two. Yeah, I, I put my two weeks in Friday, and my last day was yesterday. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that's because other things start. Yeah, circumstances changes. Other things got implemented, and it was fair. I wasn't, yeah, I, I wasn't able to. If if we were going to play the game how they wanted to play it, I wasn't going to be able to perform my two weeks like like i expected to do so i came to the conclusion told the boss man and he shook my hand said i appreciate everything you've done for me and i hope you the best so i just had to part ways and i'm isn't matt your boss no he's not oh, my boss he he's I right look, here I look at he's him in the room as I, I look at matt as he's a supervisor but technically we were almost on the same we'll level we just be chilling yeah, That's all we, do. we took care of different so responsibilities. You, you found something to replace. I've you? got something temporary, but okay. I was already in the works of getting a, another job that would just be me mechanic and all stuff, working on stuff, and that's what, what I love to do, busting my knuckles. It was kind of cool though so. because uh, when he did resign, he told me he was going to do it, and he's like, "I just want to make sure everything's okay with us." I'm like, "We're fine, dude. We, you know, do what you got to do." Yeah. And uh, so the owner came in with a Manila folder one day, and he's like, "Well." I got Ben's resignation letter, and I was like, oh, "Really? What? <laughs> oh, do do tell?" <laughs> and it was very professional. I was proud of him. I was like, "Yeah, he didn't say kiss my ass or nothing on this thing." So. Yeah, and, and and I did that just out of a courtesy to Matt because I'm a, his friend, but also on a professional manner because I wanted to get with him, and make sure I was getting everything in line so that when I left, I wasn't just leaving him. But you know what that hand. does, like. So when I got out of treatment, I went to work at a place and I had a lot of experience in my business, but they put me at the lowest job they had to give me a shot and I'm grateful for it, but I was ready to move on. I had a lot more experience than what they had me doing and an opportunity came up and I didn't like the company I was working for, but they did give me a job three days out of rehab, didn't know me from Adam and I was fed up with it. We, we, you know, I was aggravated with it. I was ready to move on and the same thing with my sponsor. He said, you write a letter, you go in, you give them two weeks notice. If they tell you to work at two weeks, you work it like the employee of the year. Mm -hmm. And I was like, ah, they're not going to make me stay wrong. <laughs> we need you to work the whole two weeks. But you know what? When I left there, I shook the guy's hand. He looked at me. He said, man, if you ever need a job, come back. I'm always hiring. And I said, all right. That's, That's a what... confidence. Now, even now, years later, I know I can call him and go, hey, dude, I need a job, man. Yeah. Well, yeah. usually, yeah, when I work with my girls, my sponsees, and um, I had one that, you know, she hated the job that she had gotten. And I'm like, well, first of all, don't leave a job until you find another one. Secondly, you, you we're in a program of action. 
and honesty and integrity, you turn in a two weeks notice, you don't just walk out. You don't want to burn bridges either. And it's just about being doing doing the right thing, you know. And exactly, because yeah. you never know when you're going to run into those people in public hey, again. Here's the funny part: my sponsor, I fish with him on a private lake in Spring Hill, Louisiana. Okay, guess who's a member there? Also, that guy I gave that letter to, and I see him pretty regular, and yeah. I just wave, "Hey, man, how you doing?" Yeah, just as friendly as we can be. No. But you know, doing the right thing because it's the right thing yeah. to do. Instead of getting my butt whooped up in Spring Hill in a parking lot, you know, it's a, <laughs> just not a like, good option. You know, you roll that card out. Yeah, yeah. You put it back up in the cart return. <laughs> and, you know, I know you're an expert in the gym, Matt, but. I'm kind of known for my weightlifting. Right. So. Pretty much. Re-racking re the weights is a big deal. It is. Oh, yeah. I am more impressed by somebody that will take those seven plates that they just put on each side of the leg press machine and put them back than somebody that can do nine on each side and leave them there for the next you're talking you're talking girl. to a man who would in football weightlifting in high school during the summer i would lay <laughs> on the bench press with a bar on my chest and i could look down the hall where the coaches office were and if one of them walked out i would just push the bar up and go 12 you know <laughs> like i just skipped all of it so you that's know? how you got that oh. physique <laughs> that, is, that is how i got this physique right. uh, and i would just but rack how is it the, how is I meant to ask you, how is the Netflix and cupcake eating competition? I'm going? working hard on that. I'm in okay. training. That's another story for another day. <laughs> well, you know, we have to I'm practice be a champion. every day to get good <laughs> to be a champion, right? So, and what kind? Have you have you butter cups? I can't. Or? I don't. You know, this is an alcoholic thing too. But when my kids aren't home, and I finally sit down on the TV to myself, I always turn it on something that has to do with a serial killer. I was sitting there the other night, and I'm that like, why do I keep watching this recovery crap? and surprise? <laughs> Maybe it is. I'm like, why do I always flip on, like, Jeffrey Dahmer? Why can't I watch a something besides this, you know? But I don't know. I was I, watching I, To Catch a Killer this afternoon. I was home alone. There you go. <laughs> what am I going to watch? Something happy? No. <laughs> yeah, I, I never, never watch. Okay, so I, I guess this is a girl thing. I'm Emily in Paris. <laughs> Emily in Paris. I don't know that one. Now, I've seen the previews for that one. It wasn't one that sparked you lying, my interest. Dog. You've seen every and season then, of you it. Know, um, don't even try that. Ben used to ben's watch like, Alan McBeal. He's not admitting it, though. <laughs> you watch the Hallmark Sex Channel? The, Sex in the no, City, I the new one. Stand Hallmark. Oh, It'll You're come. Well, no, I'll, I'll say this. I mean, I could probably do with some Hallmark, but it's Christmas movies. My grandma has burnt me out on Christmas well, movies. Well, see, that's that's funny that you bring that up because Tra one of Travis's sponsees, like, that is his jam. When the agenda comes out for Hallmark Christmas, shout out to Terry P. When not, the agenda for, <laughs> when the agenda comes out, he's like, he, he blocks off everything. He's just like, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> See, what, oh, one of my Christmas main movies? issues with it's the, the, it's always the, the same Hallmark plot. Christmas movies is Christmas is over and it's January and we're still watching Christmas. Well, they don't got nothing Christmas going on January. over there. Yeah. No. You're in month one. You've <laughs> no. got 12 months to watch them. <laughs> no. It's so Terry oh. stereotypical. Like, so, so much to the point that Terry and I were going to sit down and write a Hallmark yeah. movie. And we have, like, half of it, like, plotted out, too. You know, what's odd is me and Travis and, and what we do for a living, you know, the thought of Christmas does not bring forth those Joy. those ideas that most of y'all think of, like, you know, snow, trees, time with family, 
No, it, it means 12-hour days when I'm putting bikes together in the back of Walmart because I work. Yeah, yeah, I usually don't mention the name of the company I work for, but that's okay, <laughs> man. <laughs> I didn't work for Walmart. <laughs> I, worked for, I worked for Assemblers, Assemblers Incorporated. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're right, called. though. You could put bikes together from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed, and it's still not going to be enough. No, no. Yeah, our Christmas starts well before mm-hmm. Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a good time. That's when we made most of our money, and we kept the lights on for more than just a month at a time. Oh, that's <laughs> life goals right there, man. Yeah. We had electricity all year this year, dude. Well, we oh. didn't. Not, 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 none of us sitting at this table had electricity oh, all that's year. that's true. That's true. That's why, that's why we've had a lull in like yeah. full podcasting because we were, what, the city was without power for, what, like two weeks? Hey, Talk a, about powerless. <laughs> here's a good one on Ben. We get our power knocked out. Ben's going home. We have two ice machines, okay? We have no ice, no power at our job. We're like, well, the guys can get ice in the morning. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Can't Some it. alcoholic <laughs> goes to the koala club and gets that gigantic ice chest, that blue one, stops by the shop. That evening, when the power went out, fill that thing up. We roll in the next morning, there's no ice. The owner goes, where's the ice? Ben's like, oh, I took some home. Goes, you took it all? It was two ice machines, you know. Guys were dropping like one cube of ice in a, in a you know, 25-gallon water cooler. <laughs> Uh, In my defense, work had a generator, a g- generator, not generator. Well, they generator, did have a generator, and yes. I did not, uh, so I needed to keep myself cool and my food frozen. So we don't I mean, have that, food at work. So that made me mad. I had to throw out a bunch of food. You know, in New Orleans, they'd come in and throw your food out for you. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You come home one day and everything you had in the fridge gone is. Mm. Yeah, hmm. yeah. It's just, it's, I mean, not if you lived in a house. So Travis, that obviously ain't gonna happen to you. But like, in an apartment complex that I lived in, whenever we had that hurricane come through, and electricity was out for over a week or whatever it was. They don't want to ruin the fridges. After and stuff. about four days, they come yeah. in and they take it all out and throw it away. Oh, it ain't. There ain't nothing left in there. Hey, when you start telling that story, what do they go door to door? Yeah, just bust nobody's home. Let's go in. Uh, huh? Probably. That makes sense, though. As a yeah. company. Yeah, I mean, don't want to ruin fridges. Don't want to ruin. Yeah. You know, so you know, we've got about ten minutes left, and uh, we've talked about various topics tonight. Just kind of went around the table and just talked to each other and all this other stuff. But you know, when when we were talking about the original topic of uh, recovery and sobriety, what's the difference? And you know, I think um, you can hear recovery in these conversations that we have just going around the table we can talk about normal stuff that normal people talk about you know and there may be that one person sitting out there you know that hears this and thinks man i wish i could just have a normal conversation with someone because i know there was a time where i couldn't i couldn't talk about anything other than what was so bad in my life and all my woes like that helps anything it doesn't do anything at all other than make me feel good about talking about my shit you know but there might be that one person out there who Says, you know what? Those guys sit around that table. Ben's got a year. Matt's got five years. Travis has 27 years. Jennifer's got six years. I mean, all of these, the, you know, it doesn't, there's a broad spectrum of recovery in here. So, I mean, you got a, you got a broad spectrum and you can tell the difference, you know. And, you know, I think it probably would have been pretty nice to have a brand new one in here, you know, just someone that who hasn't really started the steps or, 
you know, because there's going to be that I'm going to get it, even if they're telling themselves at that point, I'm yeah. not going to get it. You know, there was no hope of this for me when I got here, man. I just yeah. want to stop drinking. I damn sure didn't want to do a podcast on recovery. Right. Right. I damn sure didn't want man, to. Man, like five years ago, if you'd have told me, hey, man, you're going to be like have a bunch of friends and not ever drink at all. And you're going to have a good time and probably have the best time you ever had. And you're going to be doing a podcast or whatever. And I'd have been like, somebody else needs to go to rehab. Whoever's telling me this because they're on drugs, you know. Yep. But here we are. So, yeah. So um, I think that um, for me anyway, it took repetition. It took doing the same thing every day over and over again. You know, we talk about the five or seven things, whatever they are, but I don't know if we ever actually say what they are, you know. And a lot of times uh, that may raise the curiosity of a newcomer in the room. What are these five things you're talking about? You know, well, don't drink. That's a pretty good one. You know, pray, probably number two on my list anyway. Um it's actually became number one, but in the beginning, pray would be number two. Go to a meeting, you know, talk to another alcoholic and read some literature about recovery, whatever it may be. Big book, 12 and 12, pass it on, any any literature about recovery. And there's no time limit. And you actually, <clears throat> if you go to a meeting, you do all five of those things in a meeting. You're going to do all five of those if you actually go to a meeting every single day which I thought was impossible whenever I first got there. But I just did those five things every day, and it became a way of life. And as I was doing them, my life got a little bit easier. And then as life got a little bit easier, I started doing them more and, and building on that. And But I don't think for me anyway, I don't think that recovery actually started 100. I wouldn't even say 100 now, but pumped up there until I started working the 12th step with another alcoholic and you know not actually them working the 12th step but me working my 12th step because if I'm gonna sit here and say I work the steps but I don't work with another alcoholic right I'm not working the steps I'm, I'm you know I might could do the first 11 really good but I'm not doing 12 at all and I think for me the recovery life began and all those promises that we read about we read about them tonight's reason I'm bringing them up you know, a lot of that stuff comes to mind as I'm sitting there reading with another alcoholic or we're discussing what's going on in their life, you know, and all of a sudden, whatever goes on in mine, I can't keep up with both at the same time, you know, and I have recovery. This person may not or may, you know, we may be going back through, but I can sit there and listen and try to help and just talk through some situations. And as I'm doing that, this, this, whatever's going on in my mind just isn't working at that point. So even if I get that one hour, cause I usually don't work with my guys, but over an hour, right an hour, unless we're working a fifth step, but that relief that comes in, you know, is, is a sign of comprehending the word serenity. You know, I, I comprehend it at that moment. I'm at, by the way, in the promises, we will comprehend the word serenity. You know, I can comprehend the word billionaire. <laughs> I can. Yeah. Doesn't mean I'm going to be a billionaire. I comp I comprehend it and no peace. And a lot of that recovery stuff came in whenever I started working with another alcoholic and, and maybe putting them before I put myself, even if it's just for an hour every few days, you know. And, um, and it, it caused me to have a recover, recovery lifestyle. 
instead of just kind of wandering from day to day, what am I going to do? You know, I'm going to go to a meeting and I'm going to do this, that, and then I'm going to go on about my merry way. And it just hasn't worked for me. It just has not. And I have my trials and low spots as anybody else, but that's when all those things come in handy, you know? Well, it's a program of attraction, not promotion. And the 12th step, you actually are, when you practice the principles, all of the principles, which are the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, and all of your affairs, and kind of, it, it teaches you to be a sponsor. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it does. It teaches you to be a sponsor. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with what Mike was saying there and, and kind of add a little bit to what I said earlier about hearing the laughter in there with that birthday. We've sat in here and we started off with a subject on a podcast and we've talked about Christmas movies, <laughs> Ben watching female uh TV series that he won't admit There's to. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. Okay, well, you know, all kind of stuff. And we're, we're not, this is not a boring way to live, you know. And like, you do become friends with people and you care about what they're doing. And not every conversation is, you know, oh my God, I don't want to drink today. Most of them are not. It's just, we do what we're doing right now. And that's what I enjoy. Just, we, we go on a variety of stuff, you know. So. Right. I don't think I've heard from anybody at this table in my six years of sobriety and or knowing the people sitting at this table. I don't I haven't heard one of y'all say, I want to drink today. You know, that's a good that is a good thing to bring up. I mean, can any of y'all remember the last time you wanted to drink? Yes. I can. Yeah. Yeah. It's been okay. a while, but I guess yeah, I, 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 I can't. I can't remember the last time. That's scary. Maybe I'm, maybe I need to. No, <laughs> no I no. can't. I remember my last drunk very well. Yeah. But I can't remember the last time I wanted to drink. I guess when I got out of that rehab for the last time, I was so scared. I was scared to entertain the thought. I mean, I was scared. I, if I thought about it for more, like there's a water bottle behind Matt's head here in my kitchen. And if I looked at that water bottle and thought, that could be vodka. That was too long of a thought for me. I just could not think about it. I, I refused to think about it. You know, it was, it was, I was scared. I was scared to death. You know, I was scared of me. So, you know, going back to this program, I'll tell you what, when did we do the, uh, the, uh, inner group that, that you were at work, Mike? Um, how long ago has that been? Uh, it was like, June Founders Day, June tenth. Yeah, June tenth. All right, June tenth. I wake up that morning, totally throwed off, just been stressed out of my gourd. I woke up that morning, first thing pops in my head, and I went, "Nope, we're not doing it. Not doing it." I could tell I was off. Got my stuff together, got up there, had something to do related to Alcoholics Anonymous already that day. I jammed on that all day. The first alcoholic I see, this guy sitting right here to the right of me. We walked out to the shed to unlock the shed. Remember what I told you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I said, man, today it sucked this morning, but we're rolling. You just keep moving. And it went away. At some point in that day, it went away. You know? I think sometimes I get sponsees that, um, <laughs> but they, they'll call me freaking out. They're like, I, I had a, I had a, a, a using dream or, or, oh my gosh, like I, I got scared because I wanted to, I thought about drinking and I'm like, huh, you're not alone. 
We call that the strange mental blank spot. Yeah. The big book says, you know, there will come a time the only thing that stands between us and that next drink is God. Is God. Yep. So, yeah. but it tells me it's, it's going to happen. And right. We have those thoughts. We're alcoholics. That's the way we're wired. And, but if we're not doing the things we're supposed to be doing every day and investing in that relationship with our higher power, when that happens, we're, we're drawing upon an empty well, right? Mm-hmm. So, doing every day what I need to do to stay sober and investing in that relationship with my higher power. So, when that happens, I have something to draw on. Sure. A daily reprieve based on the and I, maintenance of my spiritual condition. And you know what? This will tell you where I'm at. I don't have that very, very often, and that's why I can remember because it just happened mm. very rarely. But I was glad it happened. Yeah. Because it goes, you need to keep your butt in line. I went to my— just kind of wakes me up, you know? I went to my sponsor one time in the early sobriety about a, a drunk dream. I, I woke up and had this <clears throat> drunk dream, and I go to him. I'm like, I'm not doing something right. He's like, I'm telling him the dream, and he's like, you know what that proves? I was like, no, what does it prove? He goes, you were asleep. Oh, yeah. He was right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with him on yeah. that. Or you were at least in REM sleep. <laughs> you, 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 you were laying or, or sitting, I guess. Yeah, I used to get so scared. I would have dreams that I was drinking, but I was still going to meetings and I was lying about my Yeah, same my date. I still have those. And I felt, I would wake up feeling guilty as crap. Like I felt guilty just for yeah. dreaming it. Well, it's like so embedded in your subconscious. You like when you wake up, you actually think. You think it. I've been drinking the whole time, and I've got Mm -hmm. all these years. And then you think I don't have all these years, and then you're like, "What the hell am I thinking?" And you know, like the 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 day of that deal that I was talking about, I didn't have a dream that night, but that's how I woke up feeling. Mm -hmm. If that makes any sense, it wasn't like I'm going to run to the liquor store, but it was like I feel terrible. Like it was just so messed up, but. And then this guy right here, I was like, I'm going to find an alcoholic somewhere. And he pops his head out of the door that morning. I'm like, mm-hmm. come here, Buster. So <laughs> I didn't, I didn't want to drink, but I remember I was, I got off, I was out of town for work and, you know, I went to Outback by myself and you know, it was just easier. The, it was places packed. I was like, I'll just sit at the bar. And I Sounds didn't like a story out of the big book. <laughs> yeah, I didn't put I didn't put ask for milk. I didn't ask for a sandwich or whiskey and milk. But I'm I just remember grinding because I'm looking at these people that like they're sitting there drinking and they with can impunity. Just do it. Like with impunity. And um <laughs> and so I remember I called I think I, I called my friend Maurice up and I was, you know, bitching about it and I'm like, it just pisses me off. And he goes, Well, Jennifer, you don't even know if they have if they were doing it with impunity, you don't know what happened when they left True. the bar. You don't know if they drank more or if they got in a wreck or, you know, got in a huge fight with their significant other. You just saw that piece of it, but you can drink. Yeah. And well, I knew that, but I was just, yeah, it's not fair sometimes. Sometimes. But we're all sober today. Have been for I'm a while. I'm tickled with it yeah. today, man. I'm loving it. Travis, Ben, appreciate you guys dropping by today. Jen, glad to have you back. Um, I think our uh, our next episode, we're going to touch just a little bit on the inventory process. I'm not going to dive off completely into step four, but we're going to just talk about the inventory process and and where that is. You know what what our experience with the inventory process. Hell, what it even means. You know, does it have to be complicated? You know, but we'll discuss that next time. I appreciate all the listeners out there. Would love to hear from you on the voicemail line or at the email. And um, from Bozier City, this is Mike.
signing off. 